Let's unite our hearts in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before thee in humbleness. Heavenly Father, we come before thee also with some anxiety. Lord, just in the last couple hours, we experienced something that was that really caused us to tremble. And Lord, we want to take this opportunity now before we even open thy word. And we want to pray for Brother Gary and Sister Darlene Tomek and their little girl, Gracie. Lord, we pray that thou wouldst extend thy healing power upon, upon her. And Lord, we don't know what the status is nor the situation, but Lord, we just pray that, that thou wouldst be on top of it as thou art always, for thou indeed art, contr- art in control. And Lord, when we see something like this, it just takes the life even out of us. Don't even want to go on. And Heavenly Father, it makes me think that perhaps the adversary, Satan, is doing his part, even in our midst, trying to distract us, trying to take away our attention from what thou wouldst have to say to us, what thou wouldst have to do in our lives. For indeed, Lord, thou wouldst want to work in our lives. And so, Lord, as we are to open thy word, we pray that that thou wouldst gather our distracted thoughts, that we may be focused to thy word and, and that we would allow thy spirit to speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Honestly, loved ones, when that was going on in the dining room, my heart just sank to the floor. And nothing could lift me up or or give me the strength to speak before you this evening, nothing but God's love and his grace and his power. And I really believe that, that... that there's something that God is, is, is trying to work in our hearts that, that the adversary, Satan himself, is, is trying to snatch it, to take it away. And he's been starting in my own life. I've been feeling the last couple days there's, there's this common theme coming out. And I believe that if we grasp it, if we, if we take it from here at camp and go home with it, it could really be used for the power of God's kingdom and and for God's kingdom to thrive through us. And so I believe that's why, there's no question that's why the devil wants to stop that from happening. And as I consider the theme, that one day the books, they'll be opened. I think of judgment, as as must all of you think of that judgment day. And, And for that reason, I wish to turn to and read out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to be selective on the verses that we read. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We can begin our reading at 10. I'll read about a, a verse and a half and then I'll stop and, and, and 
share some thoughts on it, and, and then we'll carry on. Verse 10 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Loved ones, Apostle Paul is talking to the Corinthian church And he's, he's basically telling, telling them the urgency. The urgency. He's telling them that, that one day the books will be opened. One day we'll all have to come before God's judgment. And knowing the terror of the Lord... He's focused. He's focused to deliver the message. And what's his motive? What drives him? It says in in, in verse 14, For the love of Christ constraineth us. The love of Christ drives him. There's urgency. He's focused. And his motive is love, the love of Christ. When I consider my own life, loved ones, and I, and I think we all need to consider our own lives, when we consider our church, something somewhere down the path has gone off the track. Somewhere we've gone a little bit off the track. I speak to myself first. For some reason, there's no sense of urgency. This week at camp, we're going to learn about, day after day, this, 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 this coming day, this judgment. And I'm sure we'll be building up to it as the, as the week goes on in our Bible classes and, and, and through the messages. For some reason, when we look at our lives, when I look at my life, where's the urgency? The focus. Where's our focus? Where's my focus? I know where my focus is on a day-to-day basis. To my shame. Where's our focus? And where's our drive? Where's... Is... The motive that was in Apostle Paul in us. Is that what drives us? Are we constrained by Christ's love? Do you know what it means to be constrained? To be controlled? To be held down in a a position where all we can do is do what he wants us to do? Is that the, the situation in our lives? And sadly, I have to say that in my life it's not. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him 
which died for them and rose again. Loved ones, Apostle Paul is saying that, that because Jesus came and he died for all, there must have been a reason for that. The reason was, as we heard last night by Brother Tom in his message, that, that men were dying, that they were dead. They were the walking dead. We were the walking dead. My friend outside of Christ, those of you who are here tonight, you are the walking dead. And I'm not going to even bring that, that description again of that, that horse that Brother Tom mentioned last night. You are the walking dead. We were the walking dead. And because of that, Christ came and died for all. Why? So that our names can be written in the book of life. It was probably, it must have been maybe over 10 years ago, I remember a message by Brother Bob Freund in, in West Toronto Church where he, where he said, it was the first time I ever heard it, it made so much sense that because Jesus came and died for all, all men were entered, their names were entered in the book of life. And so that's, if, if a baby dies or if a child dies, they go to heaven because Christ died for them. But if they, if, if, if we die in a state of rejecting Christ. Our names will be written in the book of death, where we'll be cast into the lake of fire. We were dead, loved ones. We were dead. And it says here, in verse 15, and that he died for all, that they which live, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Loved ones, is that what happened? We accepted Christ. We said we we're going to live for him, but we really didn't. We really didn't live for him. We really didn't commit all for him. We're holding back. Last night, on and on and on, Brother Tom mentioned abandonment. That's been the thought of my heart, loved ones, for the last couple months as well. And I'm, I'm not trying to say this to you because I am the one who's so good at this. No, this is the area where I see God wants to strip me down. He wants to teach me that I need to live for him. That I need to deny myself you need to deny yourself. And, and, and then once again, and I, I, I was going to read this tonight, and I'm still going to read this tonight, but we were at the forum, and this was highlighted. And I couldn't believe it, but I could believe it. You know, one of those things where you know God's Spirit is working, but it still amazes us. Where in the statement of faith, it says in, in, in the 15th point, we believe that the great commission of our Lord Jesus Christ is an invitation for everyone to live a life of abandonment to him who loved us and gave himself for us, surrendering our personal ambitions and possessions in an unreserved commitment to take the proclamation of the gospel throughout all the world to every creature. Are we doing that? Is that something that, that we are 
putting aside our ambitions, our possessions, in order to, to, to follow Christ. Daniel Mazar and a, a team of expert climbers, they set out to fulfill their lifelong dream of climbing to, to the peak, to the summit of Mount Everest. And they were just moments and days away from reaching that summit, fulfilling their dreams, their ambitions. And, and if any of you have heard or, or read about what it takes to climb this mountain, the months that it takes, and, and the window of opportunity to reach the height is, is so small. And it was open for Daniel Muzar and, and, his, and his crew and his team. And they set out, knowing that the night before, there was a terrible storm where a team that had gone prior, trying to reach the summit, had had to, had to turn back, and few were lost on that climb. As they set out to reach the summit, they saw a, an object far off, and they, they went to that object, and it was not an object, it was a person. It was a man walking without any clothes on on the top in the sub-zero conditions. He was completely not with it. And they asked him, what's your name? He said, Lincoln Hall. And they had recognized his name as being one of the men who they said were, was, who died up there. The night before, they had heard that Lincoln Hall was one that had died. Yet here he was, still alive, barely, barely alive. And now, Daniel and his team, they had a choice. A choice to keep climbing up, fulfilling their ambitions, their dreams, or to turn back and take Lincoln Hall back to, to get him some help to save his life. There wasn't a guarantee that, that, that Lincoln Hall would survive, but they decided that it was the right thing to do, to turn back, to deny their own ambitions, to deny their desire, their wish. They turned back, and they took Lincoln Hall back. They rescued him. Loved ones, every day we have similar choices. It might not be on the top of Mount Everest, but we have similar choices. Do we pursue our own desires, our own wishes, or do we stop? try to help. Try to rescue somebody who's dying. No, somebody who's dead. Dead in their sins, dead in their trespasses. 
says, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Loved ones, we have been reconciled by God through Jesus Christ. Jesus came. He gave up all to rescue us. And now he gives us, it says here, not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed us unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you, and Christ said, Be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus, he was perfect. I see a little seal there. I'm reminded of the only one who was worthy to open, to open the seal. That was Jesus, the one who knew no sin, the perfect Lamb of God, who came to take away our sins. We've been forgiven. We've been loved. We've been restored. We've been redeemed. Our debt has been paid. And now... He allows us to take a part, to take a little part of this amazing story, to take a little part of of this amazing plan to be ministers of reconciliation. How can we be that? What does that mean? Does that mean to go around and tell everybody, one day you're going to have to stand before God's God's judgment and and you're going to go to hell if you don't accept Christ? Is that what we need to be doing? Is that the tactic? Is that the way we need to come across? See, I think this is exactly the the area that, that we need to be taught. I need to be taught. Before we left, I was checking my emails and it was Friday night. We were just getting packed up, and the the news, Yahoo News, and and the other news portions of of when you load up the internet, it said BC couple, missionary couple in Africa, in Kenya, were attacked by a group of men with machetes. So it caught my attention right away, and I wanted to look into it a little deeper. A few months ago, this couple, John and Eloise Bedard, they went to Kenya to, to go on a missionary trip, and they want to work in the mission field there. And last week, five men and two women, apparently a couple of the people worked for them 
on the site as their bodyguards. They first attacked John, the 70-year-old man. They beat him. They slashed him. And they left him for dead. And they proceeded in the home where his wife, 65-year-old, was taking a bath. They abused her terribly in unspeakable ways. They robbed them. They suffered many lacerations. And that's terrible. And, and in itself, it's an example of, of somebody going and, and trying to help and trying to extend God's message of his gospel message. But the part that really made an impact on me was the interview with John in, in the hospital. He had suffered a fractured skull. He, he was explaining what these men had done to his wife. And they asked him, what would you tell those men and those people who did this terrible thing to you? He said, I would tell them that Jesus loves them, that I love them, that Jesus forgives them, and I forgive them. Minister of reconciliation. If somebody wrongs me, if somebody just does the littlest thing that goes against my will, against the the way I like it, I flip out. I'm bothered by it. I'm I can't take it. Yet these people experience such terrible things, and their response is, Jesus loves them. He's died for you. He forgives you. This is what it means, I believe, loved ones, to be ministers of reconciliation. This is what it means to be an ambassador for Christ, to be Christ's representative here on this earth. To be like Christ. What did Christ do? He laid down his life. He did not deserve what he received. He did not deserve to die. Yet he forgave. Yet he loved. Can we do this? Only by God's grace. Only by God's strength. With God's help. We need to allow him to work in our lives, to bring us to this point. And, and right away, I started thinking, right now, there are areas in my life, right now, that, that I have a choice to, to face these people and, and, and try to get my way, to, to have my rights not be violated, Or do I turn to them and do the same thing and say, you know what? Jesus loves you. And I love you. No matter what. Even if you've done this wrong thing to me. Loved ones, if we're not 
doing this, if we're not at this point, at this level, which, once again, I confess, I am not, then, as it says in chapter 6, we then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. Have I received the grace of God in vain? Is what he's done for me, the price he's paid for me, all that he's done for me, in vain in my life? If I'm not representing him the way I need to be, if I'm not partaking in the ministry of reconciliation, then the grace of God is in vain in my life. Brothers and sisters, let it not be said that the grace of God is vain, in vain in your life. As it says in, in verse 2, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted. In the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. In the same way, my friend, today is the day of grace. Today, don't delay. Don't put it off for another day. You know, because we always think that one day, the judgment will come. There, there seems to be not a sense of urgency for you, even, where you think, tomorrow. But God says, tomorrow's not promised. Today, today is the day of grace. Today is the day of salvation. Today, harden not your heart. Today, give your life to the Lord. But having said that, brothers and sisters, today is the day for us to live in God's grace. Today is the day for us to be used by God. Today is the day for us to be ministers of reconciliation, to be willing to love, to be willing to give, to be willing to deny our ambitions, our goals, our dreams, and in place of those things put Christ first, his goals, his ambitions, his will. Today is the day. Will we listen to the Spirit? Will we allow him to work in our lives, to take control of us? On that day, my brothers and sisters, it's not going to matter how much we made. As we learned today in in the forum on giving, what's going to count is how much we gave, what we did for Christ. It's not going to matter what degree we reach. It's not going to matter. It's not going to matter the homes that we live in, the, the stuff we have. 
those things will just vanish away. Those things will crumble. Those things will rust, decay, and burn with a fervent heat. Knowing that this day is coming where nothing else will matter. Knowing that one day the books will be opened. Can we, like Paul, live for Christ? Have a sense of urgency. Knowing that those that we come into contact with on a day-to-day basis, that if they don't believe in, in, in Christ, if they don't accept him as their personal savior, if they don't die to themselves and, and, and live for Christ, a terrible judgment awaits them. A terrible eternity We have a love for our fellow mankind. Let's pray that, that, that God would instill in us the urgency, instill in us a focus. It didn't matter for Paul. It didn't matter if he was bound in, in jail, if he was in bonds, or if he was a free man. He just could not be quiet. He could not stop telling others Proclaiming the gospel message. It was his life. Are we content with just coming to church on Sunday? Are we just content with that? Or are we going to allow God to have every day of our life? That every day we would be driven. That we would have the desire to serve him with our, all that we have, our life, our breath, our possession, everything, knowing that is from him anyway, it's not ours. I have this image of that day, judgment day, By God's grace, I know that my eternity is, is, is set. But I see these people that I know, my neighbors, my friends, colleagues, customers, And their names have been blotted out of the Lamb's Book of Life. For some reason, I see this image of them seeing me, saying, I knew him. That's Mark. He was my neighbor. Or, or that's Mark. I, I bought a car off him. Or that's Mark. I went to school with him. But he never told me anything about what Jesus did for this whole world. And I see me, I'm just like trying to duck away, hide. 
Does it have to be that way? I don't want to have to hide. I don't want to have to... I don't want to be there saying, I told you so. Once again, that's not what this is about. This is about loving people. This is about forgiving people. This is about expressing this message. And I think that this message draws. This message will draw people onto him. He draws us. They need to know judgment. I'm not saying to leave that out of it. But we will be noticed. People will take notice if they see, just like I noticed when that couple from B.C. went through what they went through and said what they said. His son was interviewed. John's son was interviewed and, and he was asked, if your father could go into the prison, what would he do? What would he do to those people? And his son said, I know what my father would do. My father would go in that prison and hug each and every one of them. Hug them. He said, I'm not half the man my father is. Let's think about that, loved ones. Let's think about that when we go through our days, when we experience things that are contrary to what we like, contrary to our will. And let's think of how Jesus would react. What would Jesus do? What would, how would he respond? We know how Jesus responded. He took it, and he loved, and he forgave. And loved ones, the urgency, it needs to begin in our hearts. The Spirit needs to put that fire in our hearts And my prayer is that he would do that, that the Lord would put the fire in each and every one of our hearts, that we would understand the urgency, that we would not be confused, that we would not buy into the idea that that God is so loving that he'll just make it all go away. He can't do that. He cannot lie. He will not back up on anything that he says. Let's allow the Lord to to give us a focus, a focus for the loss, a focus for those that are in our families, a focus for those that are in the far reaches of the world, wherever the Lord would put a focus in our hearts, in our minds. And that above all things, that the love of Christ would take control. Today, now, now is the time. Now is the time to live for Christ. Now is the time to be used by Christ. Now, today, not tomorrow, today. Because one day, the books will be opened.